Okay, so before we begin, and um, and this information will be uh, also in the program description, uh, uh, folks can help along with a buck or two, or if you are a gazillionaire, a gazillion would also help a great deal. Um, uh, for uh, for Bracciali, for Adrian Bracciali, um, uh, you can kick over at the PayPal and the PayPal is law at gmail.com. Let's spell that. B-R-A-C-C-I-A-L-E-L-A-W at gmail.com. law at gmail.com. And you can rewind that to hear it again and kick something over. This is for tenants' rights. All right, uh, constantly fundraising <clears throat> for TRF, SDTU, uh, suing landlords, uh, eviction defense, and also for a tenants' union. And Bracciali will be back. All right, and we will be posting that information again and discussing more tenants' rights issues. Thank you. While rent in much of the rest of the country is starting to go down slightly here in San Diego, we are seeing record highs. Yeah, CBS 8's Richard Allen shows us which parts of the country are seeing the biggest jumps and whether there is any hope of a cool down on the horizon. And the study shows that rent in San Diego jumped by 3.4% over the past year, now just over $2,400 a month, the largest increase statewide, with rent in Los Angeles going up 1% and in San Francisco going down by half a percent. It's gone up every year, it goes up. A uh, significant amount. Priscilla Morales and her husband rent a two-bedroom in Chula Vista, where rents have jumped by about six and a half percent over last year, according to a new study by CoStar, which tracks real estate. Their $2,300 rent keeps climbing year after year. It's not just $50, $75. No, it's like 100 or 150 Meaning they're forced to save wherever they can, especially with inflation also rising. We cut a lot of our, you know, grocery. We try to get like the cheapest things and it's just, it's still a struggle. This CoStar study finds that rents locally are rising the steepest in areas like Chula Vista, Imperial Beach, Poway, Santee, and Ramona. What we're seeing now is that people are trying to economize. Alan Jin is professor of economics at the University of San Diego. They might be uh, doubling up. They might be moving uh, from a, maybe a two-bedroom apartment to a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, they may be moving from a high-end complex to a lower-end. Complex. We've been there for 10 years. Gustavo Lopez, who just turned 30, is sharing rent with his parents and a sibling, where they share a three-bedroom in San Ysidro for a relative bargain of $1,900. I mean, I could pay my own thing, but for us, it like, doesn't make sense for them and for me. Compared to the rest of the country, San Diego's rent hike was seventh highest, with Indianapolis and Kansas City seeing the largest average increase, while Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Austin experienced the biggest decreases in rent, according to CoStar. USD's Alan Jin says for San Diegans, there may be some good news on the horizon. The economy is expected to slow, and uh, that will take pressure then off of rent increases. And in fact, according to Professor Jin, the only time rents have gone down here over the past couple decades was during the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you, uh, yeah, g- g- uh, give us your name? I've read it multiple times, but uh, yeah, could you give us your name and um, and your uh, uh, bit of background in, um, in what you do? Oh, yeah. Uh, my name is Rafael Bautista. I'm the director of the San Diego Tenants Union. And we organize to empower tenants to know their rights, fight for their rights. A renter's rights group says that there's now an eviction crisis in California. We understand the challenges that many are facing and finding solutions is exactly why we launched our new Making It in San Diego initiative. Team 10 investigative reporter Jennifer Kastner spoke to a local attorney about your rights and if you're a renter on the verge of losing it all. Can you afford your rent of more than $1,200 a month? I don't think so. The San Diego mother asks that we hide her face. She fears retaliation from her landlord. The rent for her modest apartment, she claims, has been raised three times since December. How can you do this to people who is living on Section 8, who is living on low income? 
How can you do that? What will you do if you get evicted? I guess my only choice would be living in my car on the street with my kid. I'd say we get two or three calls a day from tenants who are just being priced out of the rental market. Attorney Christian Curry with San Diego's Tenants Legal Center is inundated with eviction cases. A new report from Tenants Together, a renter's rights nonprofit, reveals that evictions in California are triple previous estimates, affecting about 500,000 Californians each year. The group fears that rising housing costs combined with lack of availability and short eviction notices are pushing renters into homelessness. The report paints a bleak picture, but San Diego court records show a downward trend in eviction paperwork filings. There were more than 12,000 in 2013, down to about 9,700 last year. Tenants have a lot of excellent rights. Uh, most of them, they, they don't know about. He says landlords must give renters 60 days notice of a rental increase if it's more than 10% of the rent. And it doesn't end there. The landlord can't come and shove you out. The police can't do it. That's been illegal in California for 175 years. A landlord has to file a lawsuit called an unlawful detainer. Once a tenant gets served, he or she has five days to respond. Court fees are $225 per tenant, but many can qualify for a waiver. A trial is set up to three weeks later. If a landlord wins, the tenant generally has a month to get out. This renter and her neighbors are preparing to put up a fight. There's going to be a point where we're not going to be able to pay. Jennifer Kastner, Team 10. The Tenants Legal Center says the cost of getting an attorney to help fight an eviction may be cheaper than most people think. It's usually less than the price yeah, of one month's rent. Yeah, I actually rent. started advocating for housing rights in 2010. Hmm. Uh, more than I was active in immigrant rights struggle and you know, I've been I've been pushing for human rights for, for a while, so mm -hmm. it was just a natural progression. And we really got more engaged in 2015 with the San Diego Socialist Campaign. And we started the Tenants Union in 2018. In one of these articles I was reading, it, um, you have a, a, a background in philosophy. Yeah, so uh, I, I studied philosophy at San Diego State. And more specifically, I geared my studies towards like Marxist philosophy of social justice and as their name suggests, no-fault evictions are when a tenant is evicted despite paying rent and obeying the lease. But the landlord wants to leave the rental market, move into the property, or substantially remodel. The San Diego City Council was deciding whether to ban these evictions until 60 days after the end of the local state of emergency. Council President Sean Ila Rivera proposed the ordinance. His deputy chief of staff, and Director of Transformative Policy, Maya Rosas, spoke ahead of the meeting. People who've been paying their rent every month are being evicted, forced to pay for moving costs, first and last, last month's rent, a security deposit, at a time when rents have climbed 27% in the last year. We have a housing affordability crisis and a homelessness crisis. We cannot afford to have one more person fall into homelessness. No-fault evictions are the number one housing issue that the Legal Aid Society of San Diego has been hearing about for the last couple months, according to senior housing attorney Gil Vera. He says this moratorium addresses a practice that's been ongoing throughout the pandemic. It is a misnomer that the, the eviction moratorium that we've had throughout the pandemic, that tenants cannot be evicted. It is not true, not for no-fault evictions. They have been able to be evicted since October of 2020, over a year and a half ago. And it is, and it is particularly devastating for elderly and disabled households who are on fixed incomes. Lidia Morales is a banquet worker from San Isidro who received a no-fault eviction in 2013. She now fights for tenant rights. She says the law, as it stands, doesn't protect tenants and more protections are needed. For many of the region's landlords, however, the no-fault eviction moratorium is a step in the wrong direction. It's a solution looking for a problem. Um, so I don't, I don't think that it's, it's as significant as, as it's being made out to be. Um, not only that, but I, I, I'm concerned about how rapidly this was laid out. Um, while everyone was on recess and with no, no collaboration whatsoever um, from the entire rental housing ecosystem. Lucinda Lilly is the president of the Southern California Rental Housing Association and vice president of a local property management firm. 
She opposes the moratorium and says she favors other solutions like rental assistance. Christina Kim, KPBS News. different states, so I don't want to, and California has very strong tenant protections, but, but the thing with rights is that if you don't know that they're there, what good is it going to do you? I mean, and, and that's what we, what is such a frustrating thing to see in terms of, I, I want to get information out, like I want, I want to be, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to be, you know, lawyers for the people because I want to be, oh, you know, like Lynn Stewart, rest in peace, glad I got, a, got to meet her. Well, I was about, um, as soon as you said for the power. people, yeah. It was like, Lynn Stewart. <laughs> it's aimed at giving tenants more protection from no-fault evictions is now headed to the San Diego City Council next week. CBS 8's Kelly Hassadal is live at City Hall. We got more details about the plan today in a virtual news conference with city leaders, and we're also hearing, Kelly, from critics of the plan, I understand. Yeah, that's right. You know, the city says this isn't something that they put together overnight. This has been in the works uh, for several months. Uh, they got input from different uh, landlords groups as well as uh, rent or tenant groups as well. And they say if passed, uh, it would provide some of the strongest protection for renters in the entire state. Now, here's what Council President Sean Elo Rivera said earlier. San Diegans who are paying their rent and abiding by their lease should not live in fear of eviction. Sadly, too often, San Diego renters are being evicted despite following the rules. So here is a closer look at some of the key points of this plan. Protections would begin day one of a lease with exemptions for short-term leases. It, off it offers financial assistance when a tenant's lease is terminated through no fault of their own. And specifically, the plan provides two months rent relocation assistance and three months for a senior or a person with disabilities. So as it stands right now, nothing is offered. The city says this ordinance tackles two of the biggest issues we're dealing with right now, affordable housing and homelessness. Mayor Todd Gloria today said seniors are one of the fastest populations becoming homeless. A lot of them are on fixed incomes. And though this plan isn't perfect, uh, the city says it's doing its best to give people some relief now. However, critics, including Mark Powell, a real estate bro broker uh, who spoke to us on behalf of the Apartment Owners Association, says punishing landlords isn't the solution. He says landlords are the one are not the ones to blame for the homeless crisis. Nobody wants to evict people and have them go homeless. But that shouldn't be the burden on the property owners. Maybe it should be the burden on the state to supply that relocation assistance, but not private property owners. It's a strip away, it's stripping away private property rights. And he says he wants to see the statistics that is exactly on how uh, no-fault evictions, how many people that are homeless uh, were home, became homeless because of no-fault evictions. He says uh, the group that he's working with right now is working on putting uh, litigation forward. Carlo and Heather. Kelly, you mentioned that this has been in the works for quite some time, but do we know what the timeline is now on all of this? Right, so it goes before the uh, full council on Tuesday. If it passes there, it goes for a second reading uh, sometime in May. After that, if it passes, it goes to the mayor's office for signature to become law. And the mayor says it's possible that this could become law within the next several weeks. Now, as for the lawsuit, I asked, are they concerned about that at all? Uh, the council president, the mayor said that the city attorney has reviewed this ordinance and they believe that it can withstand any legal scrutiny. Push-pull to keep people in their homes continues. Kelly Hassadal reporting live for us. Thanks, Kelly. Okay. Yeah, I ramble a little. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if, if there's anything people come away with, it, it should be, you know, you don't know. You don't know until you know. You know, don't. It's, and, and, you know, there's two really bad people to take legal advice from, our landlords and cops. <laughs> I mean, they're both allowed to lie to you and cops mm -hmm. are kind of supposed to. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's. It's a very frustrating thing that, that Raphael and I both see all the time with people moving out when they get an eviction notice. And in California, you know, it, I mean, it makes sense, you know, to move out. But um, before people do whatever a landlord says or, or move out, they should call, you know, call the legal aid in your jurisdiction. You can mm -hmm. call me, among other attorneys, if you're in California. <laughs> like, just, just ask somebody who actually knows um you know and when we don't have a civil gideon you know like gideon being 
you might know the case of give us public defenders. Um, so, I mean, when people don't have a right to a lawyer, there's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't think of reaching out to one or that there's no point. Um, you know, but, but don't just give up your housing mm -hmm. unless you know for sure that you really have to. That, that would be my, you know, the, the main point I would want people to take away. Well, as we all know, the price of paradise keeps going up, but tonight, finally, some good news for San Diego renters. They can feel a little more secure inside their homes. Good evening, and thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Steve Price. And I'm Kirsten Holmes. The city's new pause on evictions for those who are up to date on their rent took effect today. It's all in an effort to keep San Diegans in their homes as inflation soars. CBS 8's Brian White breaks down what new rules are in place now and what they mean for both tenants and for landlords. Brian. That's right, the no-fault eviction moratorium for the city of San Diego is now in effect, restricting the ability of landlords to evict tenants who are current on the rent and obeying the terms of their lease. San Diego cannot afford one more person to enter into homelessness. The new rules that went into effect Sunday prevent landlords from removing tenants for no-fault reasons. San Diego City Council President Sean Elo Rivera championed this measure. Landlords know that if they do a, a, a bit of an upgrade, uh, some, some minor renovations, they can jack up rent substantially. Under the moratorium, if a landlord or family member wants to move into the unit, they need to provide the tenant with 90 days notice. If they want to take the property off the rental market, they now have to provide six months notice. What we have done was ensure that there's fewer exceptions to the rules and that when someone is going to be evicted, that they're given enough time to get their life together. However, some say the moratorium is unnecessary. And it feels a little bit like it's a solution looking for a problem. Lucinda Lilly is president of the Southern California Rental Housing Association, which expressed opposition when the moratorium was approved by the San Diego City Council in April. I don't think that it's been properly vetted. I don't think that there's any data that shows that it's necessary. Elo Rivera points to research from the Legal Aid Society of San Diego. During a seven-month period, they received 1,400 requests for assistance with housing-related issues, and no-fault evictions made up 23% of those requests. If you want to sell your property, that's your right. You're going to give the tenant that's living in the home right now you know, enough notice to get things together. With a soaring cost of rent in San Diego, evicted tenants can be hard-pressed to find a new place to live. And laying down security deposit first and last month's rent can be a steep amount of cash to come up with on short notice. We were estimating somewhere in the range of six to $8,000 that someone would have to come up with. And, you know, what if you've got kids? What if you're trying to keep your kids in the same school? The no-fault eviction moratorium is set to expire September 30th or 60 days after the pandemic state of emergency ends, whichever comes first. Brian, thank you. And it's important to note here that your rent still has to be paid in full. Yes. They're just saying they can't kick you out so they can do some upgrades exactly. and then raise the rent. And I have actually talked to seniors who were living in their car oh. because it happened to them. The rent, they got kicked out for yep. the, this, you know, remodel. Yep. And then the price went so high they couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah, across all over California, I've talked to people who were moved out of their homes for things like that. So hopefully this is a fix to that homeless Actually, I do have a question about that. So, because um, obviously landlords are allowed to lie to you, police are allowed to lie to you. Um, when you find that well, people I are just, getting... Yeah, I feel like everybody is. You know, yeah. cops, are, cops have that extra special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, part, it's the law that they can during investigations. But, sorry, go on. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, do you find that, like, these people who are essentially getting evicted for no reason... Um, do they think that they have to go along with it because they assume that their landlord is telling the truth or do they think it'll just be like yes. too difficult to fight it? Both. Okay. Um, and, and I think more the latter. And that makes sense because, you know, and I, I from the perspective of a former public defender, you know, and people logically assume that the, that the deck is going to be stacked against them in court because it usually is. I mean, if somebody... Um, you know, because everybody at least knows how, how it goes when you go to traffic court. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but unlike criminal defense, 
um, where, you know, you, you can have everything on your side, instant clients, and, you know, you can still lose everything. Um, but housing law, at least in California, is very different because it's statute-driven. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if the judge is biased against you. You know, landlord, never underestimate your opponent, but most landlords and even their attorneys are very rusty or don't know what they're doing because mm-hmm. they're, they're used to winning by default. Oh. And that's exactly what it means in the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, if the other side doesn't show up, you don't need to know what you're doing. But if they do, and you know something about the law, even even if the judge is very biased for landlords, you know, their hands are tied. It's like, well, that's what it says. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so, there, there are a lot of rules about how to, you know, and, and in civil in general, like there's a lot of rules about how to fill out, fill out the complaint correctly. And, you know, there's a lot of different, I mean, you know, I'm a lawyer, so we can't guarantee anything, but as close to a slam dunk as it can be. Like there are mm-hmm. very straightforward defenses. Like these cases, like, you know, are very winnable. There are some things that, you know, are, are really difficult to do without a lawyer, but tenants do represent themselves in court and win. Okay. You know, if you know one or two things, you could be the expert in the courtroom. And, and that's, that's part of the gate kept knowledge that that is life-saving. Yeah. That I, I'd like to, you know, spread, spread more. The special city council meeting comes as San Diego for the first time recorded more newly homeless residents than those that are being rehoused. This is important for us as a city to make this commitment to the residents of San Diego amidst our housing and homelessness crises that we will do what it takes to meet the moment and everyone has a stake in this issue. There was also a workshop for stronger tenant protections that took place at the meeting. A San Diego and Pana had members that spoke about the current state of the city's tenants' right to know ordinance. Stronger tenant protections are a requirement for many of our families to to remain in their homes. But there was significant pushback against the new proposal from landlord groups. The ramification of the draft policies, while some portions are legally questionable, are going to be destructive to more quality housing being built and being renovated. Even though rents are starting to go down, the compounding effect of inflation has many people's finances stretched thin. Every day, our families in San Diego who love to live here um, and want to remain here are facing evictions, um, facing housing instability. 50% of households in the city of San Diego are housing cost burdened. The city needs to build over 100,000 housing units by 2029 to meet its current and projected needs, with nearly 45,000 units being for low or very low income earners. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. I always wanted to engage radical politics and and i kind of took that approach in my study so i i intentionally learned you know specific things to, to push the movement forward yeah yes. basically oh. you had a question yeah, no go ahead go ahead it sounded like someone was about to say something maybe before we move on can, can i just say something about Raphael real quick yes if i was going to do it over and introduce him we'll fix it in post um, so, yeah, Raphael and I uh, share an office space in San Diego, mm-hmm. and I've known him since a little before 2010, because I moved to San Diego in 2008 for law school, and he's, I mean, he's always been a serious activist, like, before I met him, and, it, you know, it's really, it, 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 what he's done with the tenants union is really, really impressive, and it's just, you know, um, he, he's been... I've moved around Southern California for different jobs mm-hmm. and, you know, he's asked me years before to, you know, collaborate and, you know, be a union member and, and help with housing stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it's really great to, to have um, a working relationship with a, a comrade as serious um, and uh, dedicated to a uh, tenants' rights and just, you know, social justice in general. He's a, He's a good guy, great director of the tenants union. They've they've done a lot of impressive stuff that you read about. No, I actually really love that and I really do appreciate that because I feel like there's so many um 
a lot of people who use social justice language to try to get ahead or pad their resume, but they're not actually like emotionally invested in it. It's not who they are as people. So it's always awesome um, when someone does come through in that way. I, I really do uh, appreciate that sort of like sincerity and commitment to trying to make the world a little bit of a better place. We need more of that, please. <laughs> but yeah, so. For sure. Um, I. <laughs> So I was looking up uh, before uh, when William said that we were going to do this uh, this episode. I started looking up like the tenants' rights in uh, San Diego, and something that is astounding is the coverage of it. The way things are being covered is so yeah. much of it is like labeled as like this controversial policy, and then like I read the policy and it's like your landlord can't just evict you for no reason, and if they do, they have to give you like two right. months of rent. And I was like, wait, why is this controversial? So is that like um, right. a sort of like the 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 vibe out there is that like the mood out there or is that like specifically like the media or is that just like the how the city in general believes like what where is that coming from <laughs> you you want to take that one Raphael? yeah no i mean the, the the politics are backwards over here you know it's uh they call they call landlords housing providers <laughs> they, they they think that they're doing people benefits by uh raising the rent and not making repairs. So, you know, it, it is skewed. Like, we, we know the politics are, are, you know, opposite of where we need them. So, mm -hmm. it plays out, you know. They pass these weak laws with loopholes full of, you know, new, new ways for landlords to kick tenants out. And and we, we critique it, you know, because it's unacceptable that we're having the leaders of our city basically destroy the working class mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they, they cheer themselves and pat themselves in the back and you know now they're they're cheering on tony atkins for governor when it's their policies and their spouses policies that that have been ruining living conditions for san diego mm -hmm. So I guess then my next question is, what is the end goal of that? Because you need working class people to maintain any sort of city, right? Because they are the ones who run things. Like, if you kick out all the, like, what do they think is going to happen if they get rid of all the working class people? Like, do they think only, like, millionaires are going to live there? Like, what are they doing? Yeah, is it going to be like Atlas Shrugged? <laughs> right. Uh, I read that whole book. Oh, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I hated myself as a teenager. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But there's a yeah. Atlas Shrug is has a fantasy land of there's no working class and somehow everything gets done. Right. Yeah. And I just, I always, I always wonder about that because I understand like from the classism perspective, right? There's always, you know, people who have money or people who have wealth who are like, I'm better than these people and I don't want them around me. But like ultimately in practice, that doesn't work, <laughs> right? Like we need mm -hmm. workers, we need working class people and not everybody can be rich. So I don't get like what, what they think is going to happen in this like utopia that they're trying to create. Right, and, and I mean, and and you know, Raphael's uh, been here consistently longer than I have. But I mean, um, I mean, capitalism creates these crises, right? It creates its own grave diggers. Uh, um, capitalism creates its own grave diggers, right? But I mean, with this like race to the bottom, and if you look at it, like the reason, part of what we need in rent control is not just controlling the rent for where people are you know it's it's mm -hmm. there should be a restriction on how high you can raise the rent after you evict tenants because that is a that is a big motivation um that for evicting people um and in san diego well everywhere there's um really horrific um anti-black racism mm -hmm. Uh, in housing, m mostly towards black women with children, mm. and San Diego is a border town. So we have so the so the driving motivation behind, you know, coming up with these BS reasons for evictions, for violating the law, um, you know, even violating laws that you know on its face aren't good enough, like mm -hmm. Raphael was saying, um, things would still be better if landlords right. did follow the law and not enough, you know, people challenge them. But, but the motivation to kick out people who are paying under two that you know immigrant families 
um, senior citizens on fixed income are, are, of course, in grave danger um, if they just go along with what their landlord says and doesn't know their rights, and then, and then they're homeless in San Diego sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're renting out someplace under 2000 a month, you know, they have a big incentive to, you know, come up with a reason to kick them out so that they can raise the rent to an amount where it would not be legal to raise it to that amount on those tenants. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, I mean, that should be part of rent control. And and that that is part of our price gouging statute in California, but only during... A declaration of emergency so oh. but, but even then if people don't know it's there okay okay um so i guess can you give us a definition of rent control like what is like what do you mean when you say rent control yeah what, what exactly does that entail yeah i know like as soon as people hear rent control they're like no it's bad it hurts landlords we call them land leeches <laughs> over here just so you know where we are on that topic but um <laughs> what do you mean when you say rent control so the statewide rent control um, is the te- in California is the Tenant Protection Act of 2019. So, uh, Raphael, was there anything before 2019? I don't know if it was. <laughs> um, but um, it, not in California and, and not in San Diego. Mm. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so there's nothing before 2019. <laughs> um, <laughs> even in a state with relatively, because everything's relative. Compared to the rest of the country, um, you know, relative strong tenant protection is still not good enough. So, part of the rent control under the Tenant Protection Act of 2019 in California, and there are exemptions, and some of the exemptions are low income housing. <laughs> um, so, like different kinds of subsidies are totally exempt from this. So, there is no rent control at all for people who are living in people in some subsidized housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't raise the rent um, for most rentals with some notable, really bad exceptions. Um, you can't raise the rent by more than 10% within a year. Or what is it, Raphael? Like, it, it depends on like 5% CPU or... I just check every year to see if like, is this a 10% year or is this the other year? <laughs> Leaders in the city of San Diego, meantime, one step closer to adopting a new ordinance that would strengthen renter protections in America's finest city. It would also offer more compensation for no-fault evictions. City Council just held its second hearing on that proposal. And Fox 5 Sarah Allegri joins us live outside City Hall with what this means for both tenants and landlords. Sarah. Yeah, Maria, Phil, city leaders approved this ordinance just last month, and they say with evictions at a five-year high, this is one of the best ways to tackle homelessness here in our community. But with any major decision like this, there are two sides to every story, and not everyone's on board. I think what it's going to do is it's going to prevent potentially more people to falling into homelessness. It's been a long sought after fight over renter protection for senior housing attorney Gil Vera with Legal Aid Society of San Diego. For you know about two and a half years, the city of San Diego tenants have had the least amount of protections in the entire state. Now a new ordinance will bring the city up to and beyond state standards by protecting renters from day one of their lease, offering financial assistance when a lease is cut short and through holding landlords accountable and it's not just that tenants who are evicted for no fault would be entitled to two months of relocation assistance that the landlord has to pay or three months if there's an elderly or disabled person in the household but because it goes further than state law others worry it may create newfound concerns I think we have to be mindful of unintended consequences when you're requiring additional relocation um, that maybe disincentivizes some owners from keeping their rents Low market. One landlord at Tuesday's second hearing before council called the move a nightmare, especially for mom and pop landlords. The way you got this written is that if I rent to somebody one day, I owe them a place to live for the rest of their lives. And uh, that's just a little harsh. But Allison Snow with the Housing Rights Project at USD says while the concerns are valid, this ordinance is more so aimed at holding this type of landlord to a higher standard. For those big corporate landlords who can absorb, uh, absorb the hit, and who have been the most egregious 
offenders and evicting um, without without real reason to do so in the past, that's who this is impacting. Yeah, after today, this ordinance will then go onto Mayor Todd Gloria's desk and then goes into effect 30 days after he signs that dotted line. For now, that's the very latest from downtown. Yeah, during Sarah a Allegray, federal, look, state or local declaration of emergency, and it includes a lot of things. So for wildfire, which is, you know, when is California not on fire? Mm -hmm. um, pandemic. So, you know, before, so, you know, now all of that's expired, but it was, it, but, but without any exceptions, um, unlike, you know, the, the TPA, the Tenant Protection Act, the only rent control that California has, um, that does have a lot of exceptions, for any rental property during a state of emergency, it is illegal price gouging, mm -hmm. where the landlord, you know, under the penal code, it's a misdemeanor. So there's up to, um, you know, 364 days jail time. We do that for immigration purposes, not a year. Um, to raise the rent more than 10%, uh, during one of those declarations of emergencies. Um, but also, it's also a misdemeanor offense um, to evict somebody with the intent of raising the rent more than 10%. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the way to prove intent is they went ahead and did it. It's like, oh, so that's what you meant to do. <laughs> that's uh. why, you know, a lot of wrongful eviction lawsuits are you moved out and you're like, oh, they weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> Maybe I should see them. Interesting. Yeah, so, so as recently as uh, Monday, January 8th, uh, the DOJ, California Attorney General, Bonta announced a settlement with Invitation Homes to resolve allegations that the company violated the California Tenant Protection Act and California's price gouging mm -hmm. law by unlawfully mm -hmm. increasing rent right. on approximately 1,900 homes. And part of the settlement uh, invitation will pay two million in civil penalties. So uh -huh. you know what, what Adrian's talking about. This is real. I mean, it's happening. Invitation Homes is one of the largest landlords, mm -hmm. and you know the, we're talking about the Kushners and, and those types of landlords that mm. will gouge and, and do all these illegal acts and just, you know act like they're not going to get touched. So. Mm -hmm. It's important for tenants to know that they do have rights. Some of them do go back, right? So these illegal increases can be reversed. Refunds can be provided like we've done for several mm -hmm. tenant associations. And there's ways to, if necessary, sue them, right? So that's what we're talking yeah. about where there's laws that are in place, but we still need vehicles to correct and, and, and apply those laws. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So can we get just um, sort of like a general idea um, for the folks that you help? Like, what do you have an idea of like what their average income is or like what the average hourly wage is versus how much they're paying in rent? Because I feel like that like varies drastically across the country. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of give folks an idea. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. I would, I would say a good 80% of the people that we... Uh, come in contact with our rent burden, which you know they probably pay more than half of their income in rent. Mm. Um, during, during the pandemic, I think Barrio Logan was one of the worst hit areas, and and there was one of the highest unemployment rates, oh, wow. lowest wages, and at that time, Mac Project was trying to raise the rent about twenty five percent on tenants in affordable housing. So it, it's totally out of whack. Most people that are in affordable housing would never be able to afford market rate mm -hmm. um, if they lost their home. So they're they're confined to, to the unit. Right. They have to report their income every year, so they're are limited. Mm -hmm. And you know, where we built all of our associations is generally the most economically neglected areas. Uh, in the county. Okay. Okay.
uh, one case yesterday in court in which uh, the um, interested parties in 27 Peter Street applied for the closure notice the police had applied for should not be put in place, should not be kept. Uh, the magistrate ruled that uh, the, the closure order should stay in place. The legal point she decided on was, one, that there was control in some way of the women working in the flats, even though the evidence of the working girls themselves was that they were not controlled, that there was no control at all, that they worked independently of their own free will. The girls say over and over again that they were not coerced into working, but the police take the line that we've often heard from feminists, which is that you basically don't know your own mind. Absolutely crystal clear that the women, well, the women in our network, which is a very wide network in Soho, are not trafficked. That nobody has met anybody who has trafficked, and the maids say that if anybody was in trouble, they would be the first to report it and help the girls. We've already heard that some girls have been gone, have been working on the streets already, you know, from closed flats. So, you know, women are already in an extremely vulnerable and dangerous situation, merely from the closure of the flats less than a week ago. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's not in California. And we have, um, it, you know, it, if you, there's judicial council forms that are, that are, uh, mostly checkboxes for eviction forms in California because, you know, a lot of people, including landlords, but especially tenants, you know, don't have a lawyer. So it makes it easier to fill something out. Um, but yeah, there's a, if you, if, if you look at the, the judicial counsel form, um, you know, there's a, there's a section and the answer to the complaint that has affirmative defenses. And, you know, one of them is, um, you know, about, you know, the, trying to pay rent um, and the landlord just wouldn't accept it and they mm -hmm. wouldn't accept it from a third-party source. It's like they're not allowed to just turn that down. Right. Um, but you would need to know that. Right. And you would need to know that, you know, you have a right mm -hmm. to go to court when you get an eviction notice. And that's, you know, that's not intuitive because what – you know, when I was a lawyer, but before I got into um, housing law, like I got a three-day pay quit notice, and I didn't, I, I didn't know what my rights were. It was terrifying because right. it's the, on its face, it's like, oh well, if I can't pay, you just have to quit, right? Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> because you know, at least in California, the notice is the first step that they have to take before they can file an eviction mm -hmm. lawsuit. So whatever the expiration date on the notice is, they have to wait until the next court date and file it, and you still have a chance to respond. So, you know, outside of all the mistakes that um, landlords make with the forms and because late fees are pretty much always not enforceable in California, even uh -oh. though they're in every lease agreement. That's good to know. You know, the the rent amount is n is never right. On the, well, I shouldn't say never, but a lot of times it's not accurate because if you paid late fees in the past year, you deserve a rent. You're entitled to a rent credit. So there are a lot of a lot of ways that the even the amount of rent due on a notice isn't correct. And in California, um, you know, the complaints if they choose to file a complaint, which they may or may not. Um, if they file an eviction complaint, um, it is it has to be based on the notice. And mm -hmm. there are these strict statutory guidelines for the notice and everything it's based on. So if there if the notice is deficient, the whole thing is a house of cards. And if you go to court and you know, I people have differing opinions about whether or not a tenant who's not represented by a lawyer should request a jury trial, but you can always request a jury trial and then decide to go to the bench trial if right. you're just too overwhelmed. But, but I mean, I've had a case and a lot of tenants, a lot of good tenants attorneys who are not afraid to take these cases to court, which nobody should be afraid. Um, well, people are entitled to their feelings. It is scary. Um, <coughs> you know, if you set a case for a jury trial, a, a judge doesn't want to, you know, 
spend spend the time on jury trial for an eviction case. Mm-hmm. If a notice is deficient, a judge can dismiss the whole case themselves. Oh, okay. And if it if it's the day of trial, they might, you know, um, here's a practice tip for California. Uh, if it's the first day of trial, um, they should it, you should object to a dismissal without prejudice. It should be a dismissal with prejudice so that you're entitled to. Um, attorney's fees and costs if you ask for it in the answer. Um, Can I just say, I really really need you to do like a um, like a seminar sort of, to be like here's what you need to know. Because you have said so many things that like and like obviously I don't yeah and like I don't live in California but but, yeah it would be different here but like these are like some things that I don't think the average person knows and probably should if they're renting. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all, all this stuff that I didn't know as a lawyer before I, I got into housing law, when I, you know, that would have been nice to know that I didn't have to, um, you know, have a heart attack when I got a three-day pay quit notice because, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing nothing magic automatically happens at the end of the three days. I mean, I paid it within the three days. You know, that was one of those complexes where on the first or second day, they would just put it on everybody's door. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like, uh, that's kind of what I would expect, um, you know, in these type of situations. Um, Can you tell me about the renter's union? That's not a language that I'm, like, super familiar with. I usually think of unions as associated with workplace stuff. So, like, what is a a renter's union? What sort of services do you provide? Yeah, you know, it it follows along the steps of a worker's union. Okay. Uh, So, obviously, we're not divided by trades, but... If you're a tenant, you can be part of a tenant's association in your building. You can form a tenant's union or join a larger union like San Diego Tenant's Union or Los Angeles Tenant's Union. Uh, and you can plug into our experiences, right? So I, I think that's the biggest part of um, navigating the tenant-landlord situation. It's the experiences that other tenants bring to the table. And solutions to to problems that are recurring. So when we're organizing, we're making sure that tenants understand that they're getting empowered through knowledge, but they also have to practice what they're learning. So if there's a new law that says a landlord must take specific steps to evict you, then we make sure that tenants know that if they don't meet those specific steps, they have defenses, right? And from what we've done in, in how we approach everything is we've developed a strategy. And the strategy is essentially engaging the tenants and creating a solution and moving forward with a series of steps that will get us to that solution. Whether it takes... Uh, holding a press conference or a rally or a march or a protest or just having a large group go to a landlord's office and say hey here's the rent here's the letter saying why you're wrong Mm -hmm. Um, yeah we also you know do a large media push so when tenants get organized and, and they're fighting for a common situation common solution we bring it to the media and we say hey this is what's going on um, we bring organized tenants directly to the politicians in terms of engaging them in meetings, engaging them in the public sphere where they're confronting them about their lack of action on rent control or specific items. And then, you know, there's these other components where we'll help them draft letters, we'll help uh, guide tenants to, to get solutions. And we have access to, to an attorney panel and panelists or attorneys just like Adrian um, that, that have helped us sue Maybe the city, like sue <laughs> the housing commission, uh, you know, people that are committed to the cause. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what uh, we bring with the tenants union. And, you know, it's not just me. Um, my camarada right now is inside this, this senior complex holding it down. 
Sandra is another founder of the union. So Sandra Galindo is the reason why we ran the San Diego Socialist campaign. She was our candidate. And, you know, th this really does require effort from every single tenant that gets engaged. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if they don't do their part to, to, to get their resolution, it may not happen. No, that totally makes sense. I totally get that. And yeah, a, it and looks... you know, um, it, 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 I, I will say it is, it is really, I mean, you know, Raphael's been um, doing his work, um, you know, in a community that he's part of um, for almost 15 years now, or I mean longer, but at least the tenancy. And, um, so it's nice, you know, to have, um, to be trusted by association, like if Raphael did so by like me, I guess, you know, supports the cause, is trusted by the union director. So it is nice to be like, oh, when I'm <laughs> invited someplace to be like, oh, she's cool. Well, if Raphael says she's cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, you know, I just, I recently moved back to San Diego and opened, uh, and, you know, uh, Raphael and I, you know, have this, this uh, share this office, this double office space. Um, so, you know, this is, a work in progress and something we've talked about for years. But I mean, when Raphael was saying, you know, there's a new law that you need to know about. I mean, we have, we have had, you know, a Zoom presentation to about some of the ways the new tenant protection ordinance in San Diego um, can protect people. And for anyone in San Diego, um, any, you know, it doesn't go far enough, but there are, but we had nothing before. So mm -hmm. this is something that we need to, to build on. Um, and it's, it's, you know, and, and I still agree with everything Raphael said about, um, you know, it maybe the lack of political will to put um, more into it. Um, but you know, there are still things that protections that it, you know people need to know 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 more about, and we're working on you know trying to get the word out more. But any violation of the new tenant protection ordinance. Um, is an affirmative defense to mm -hmm. an eviction case, meaning I, I don't need to, to define it, but it's, it's you know it's, we can define affirmative defense later if you want to. It's boring, but it's, <laughs> it's a really good defense to an eviction case. Okay. Um, and one violation of the TPO is you know that went into effect in June, June 24, 2023, for tenancies in, in the city of San Diego that started before that date. Um, everybody was supposed to get a copy of the tenant protection guide that the housing commission put out under this law. I don't think, Raphael, I don't know, have you met anybody who's gotten it? I haven't. It's supposed to be in the language that the lease was negotiated with. And I haven't heard of anybody getting it in Spanish or English or any of the other languages that it's on, on the website. And I think that yeah. landlords either don't know or don't care. And, you know, one more, one more thing that I, I will say about, sorry, about the TPO is that it, it, um, sorry, Adrian. it does, sorry. I'm going to have to go into this meeting in a few minutes, okay. uh, like in two minutes. You want to say anything else? Yeah, so just, okay. Uh, I'm good. Do y'all have uh, any other questions? Oh, uh, uh, just um, uh, if if you can come back, uh, I wouldn't mind doing a deep dive episode on this uh, Atkins, and mostly because I'm artistic, and I would love to do an episode called Atkins Shrugged. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd you... love to. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to come back. Um, yeah, it's just you know, there's a room full of seniors that are getting a. It was a 33% rent increase, and now it's oh a 14% rent increase. That's wild. But, um, before you go, can you just you know, quick uh, say I, where people can find yeah. you and your work? Yeah, we're on Facebook, on Instagram, San Diego Tenants Union, the San Diego Tenants Union. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Thank Our you. website is union.org. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yes, we would love to have you back on. That would be fantastic, I think. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you. All right. Peace. Sure. All right. Bye. I'll see you All soon. Right. All right. That is 
He said a 33% run increase for these seniors. What kind of fucked up shit? Oh, I was I was looking at the um, uh, housingisahumanright.org. And in that interview, he pointed out a case where there was a 70% increase. Oh, my God. Fucking kill your landlord. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that personally. That wasn't advice. I was just um, quoting the name of an album from The Coup. <laughs> ah, that is, yeah, that, that is true. Nothing I say is legal advice. <laughs> Kill Your Landlord is figurative. It's the title of a song we like. Yeah, I could actually just do. write a song called that, post it, and be like, what? It's art. It's art. It's art. I'm being artistic. Don't stifle my curiosity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, it's, um, no, yeah. I'm really glad that you are doing this work, though, because I think that it is, uh, you know, like what you were saying in the beginning, that people don't know what their rights are. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And so they get trampled on. Um, in a system that's already stacked against you, but like you have more options than you realize you do, you know? So I do think it is important to sort of like talk about these type of things, you know? And yeah, that's wherever you are, you don't know until you know. I mean, some, some states have, it's just, it really, there, there are some areas of law that are, that are, you know, almost identical. Like criminal law three was almost identical, like across the kind of like you know, you don't have to learn a lot of new things to practice criminal law in a different state. But mm-hmm. but housing law, you, you do. And I, you know, and I have I don't know much about other states' housing laws except that California has unusually strong tenant protections that are underutilized. But wherever you are, you know, don't just rely on your landlord's bluffing. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's sometimes that's all they have is just throwing tantrums and bluffing and, and pushing you around yeah. and relying on the shame of not being a homeowner. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, I mean, under the law, you do have a property interest in your lease agreement. So they, they, that's not, you know, that's not something that is unique to them having a property interest in something um, I mean, that's why you have, you know, a right to some kind of hearing before it's taken away from you. You know, like due process before you lose your right to life, uh, liberty, or property. Right. So, um, so maybe maybe we should have a civil Gideon then. Um, Gideon versus Wainwright was a 1963 case out of Florida that made the right to a public defender you know, across the board at right. federal right under the six. Yeah. Um, but a civil Gideon, like I know in Manhattan, they recently, um, you know, passed a, a local law in, in New York city, um, that there is a right to counsel in eviction cases. Um, I've, I've heard it very underfunded and that's disappointing and not surprising. Right. Um, yeah, but you know, in California, um, there is a statewide legal aid firm that I used to uh, work for. Um, I was at different times a staff attorney, and I and I directed the El Centro office for for um, a short period of time, including 2020. Uh, California Rural Legal Assistance, um, CRLA.org. I mean, if anybody's in California. And, you know, and don't know, um, you know, where else to turn to about a housing law question. They have a great, um, I think it's called the the Tenant Justice Project, Mm -hmm. but they have resources, um, you know, on their website. And and, and I would, um, you know, I'm I'm somebody, you know, I I can't, (laughs) but yeah, if somebody is, is in California anywhere, I would... That is a great resource. Just you could look up, um, you know, the closest office to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there there are other good legal aid firms. That's just one. That's just the only one that I've worked for. Okay. Um, Yeah, but going back to what you were saying about a civil um, Gideon sort of situation, I think that that Mm -hmm. would be, like, so incredibly useful because something that I – well, if you're on Twitter, I will tag you. I have this, like, literally, like, never-ending thread about, like, renting and landlords and stuff where it's just, like, different news headlines and how, you know, things are being shaped, but – Something that I was seeing a lot of, especially like, well, I don't want to say like the height of COVID because I kind of feel still feel like we're at the height of COVID. But at the what is now considered to be the height of COVID Again, was yeah. people who were constantly getting evicted 
Um, and but they mm-hmm. had qualified for like whether it was like local, state, or federal money to help pay rent. And their landlords were literally like, "I don't want the federal money. I just want you out so I can rent your shit at a higher price." And I was like, "How is that right. legal?" And I'm pretty sure it's not legal, but people didn't know, and so people were, you know, getting evicted. And I was reading this like absolutely heartbreaking story about um, a black couple and the guy literally died from a heart, like a stress induced heart attack Ugh. because they were going to be homeless because their landlord did this to them. But they got like the federal approval. Like they could have, like the landlord could have used federal subsidy money for their rent. And he simply chose not to Ugh. because he could just rent that unit out for a higher price if they were gone. And I was like, how is this legal? Hardly. You know, but people don't know. And so, it, like, as you're saying, like, the civil Gideon thing, I'm like, yes, let's uh, do that, you know. please. <laughs> all right. And that was all that I was ready to go ahead and publish. There was uh, more audio, but editing does have to be done. We all don't like the cutting room floor, <laughs> but it has to exist. Um, this will continue. All right. And let's wrap that up and we'll catch you around on the next one.